SMQB's episode 121. Gentlemen, you should know this. How many games in a row has LSU superstar and Golden Spikes winner Dylan Cruz been on base in a row? You know this house. I think the answer is 70. I think it's 71 now. Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) Trick question. 71 if, if that's i mean that's amazing i mean this guy tore it up this year his batting average is like 460 um you know it, but is that i mean could that possibly be right that that he's been on 71 games in a row it's bananas it's crazy. that I mean, it's is a, pure bananas it's a whole season basically yeah i mean it's got it i don't i mean i think it probably goes back into last season right What's with the what's with the guys on that team? They all look like they're uh, Kelly uh, on Bad News Bears compared to that little blonde kid who was on the same team. The shortstop, yeah, who was little, booting it. Yeah, you know the little blonde uh, dude who looked like he was about six while Kelly was smoking cigarettes and riding a motorcycle. <laughs> That's the LSU team. <laughs> it's been good entertainment. Yeah, how you guys doing? Doing all right. Doing all, all right. right, all missing, right. Miss, missing our other two mates. I know. Well, we got to jump to it because Bison here is on borrowed time. I've got a flight. Thankfully, American came through for us like it always does. And I am delayed a little bit. So you got about 20 minutes uh, of my attention here today. But then I will be out and you guys will have probably an improved and better product once I once I log off here. Um, but listen, we've got to jump in with uh, the NBA, right? Guys, we had the draft. We had all sorts of wild ass trades. Uh, what? Where are we in the NBA now? Post draft, it's crazy. Well, let's just start with the draft. Everyone's it's been covered to death, um, but you know, obviously, the first four picks were all blue chips, great picks. The Spurs with Wemby, etc. Those are all going to be great players. I just want to talk about a couple of picks, a few picks. It kind of went under the radar that I think are going to be long-term outstanding picks. That with the 57th pick in the draft, the Warriors picked up six-nine power forward from Indiana, um, Tracy Jackson Davis. You guys know who his dad is? Who is no. that? Dale Davis, who played for the Pacers. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. This guy. During March Madness, looked to me like a lottery pick. I don't. I cannot understand why he went so low at 57. He was 21 points a game, 11 rebounds, three blocks. Um, four-year, four-year starter at Indiana. Maybe his age has something to do with it. He's 23. I think exactly the kind of player the Warriors need. They're they're too small up front. This guy could be an immediate impact player. I also think. 
and I know uh, you, House, you agree with this. The rocket skinning Cam Whitmore at twenty is that's just, the one I was going to ask about. It's crazy, and it's a steal. I mean, it, it's just malpractice for teams to pass him up at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I mean, my God, this this guy was projected to be a top five pick. Rockets get him and Amen Thompson, plus a plus a great new coach. Uh, it'll be exciting to see how that team comes along. And finally, yeah. I I love the the uh, Pelicans pick of Jordan Hawkins at fourteen. Love that pick. He's he's going to be an outstanding shooter in the NBA. Um, and and that team needs some outside scoring. To me, those were the three kind of off the radar picks that that are exciting. Are we going to ever hear anything about that Cam Whitmore injury, right, or whatever it was? That well, sort it's of supposed to be a knee injury. Were you even aware of this during the season? I mean, you're I a never, Villanova I never, fan. Never heard about that. Uh, you know, people were saying that he didn't interview well, which I think is stupid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really stupid. I, I agree with you. I mean, whether he goes four or five or six or seven. Okay, fine. You can debate about that. Letting him drop to 20. Uh, there's a, There were some picks that were in front of Cam that had my jaw on the floor that these guys, there's just no way they outperform him in the NBA. And it all, all goes back to what we talk about in every single other draft, whether are you drafting for best player available or best need? And it seemed like a lot of teams in front of Cam were drafting for need. Like, for example, I mean, this isn't a cam comparison, but this selection, there was a lot of debate about Brandon Miller versus Scoot Henderson. This this Scoot Henderson with Damian Lillard is a really interesting decision for that team. In a lot of ways, they play the same position. Yep. Dame Dame wants to play with veterans. He doesn't want to go with younger guys, but they took the best player available and they were probably tickled pink when 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 they when the hornets took brandon miller so i don't get it i don't uh, think that miller, story's miller, over yet miller might have been yeah i think you're right rooster but miller might have been a better fit on that team um they might have been forced into taking scoot and it may force their hand on what they do with dame i mean i think I, i've seen at least some googly eyes between jimmy uh jimmy buckets and dame on yep. on twitter and stuff just today, um, just today, yeah. Dame said he wanted to play for your for the Bison's team, the Heat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I yeah, gotta tell you, um, I, I I'm with you on some of the steals. Um, one of the best prep stars to come into college in a long time was a guy named Imani Bates. He fell apart. Uh, lots of issues came up. He ended up playing for like Eastern Michigan or something. And the Cavs got him at 49. This is a guy that can jump out of the gym. He's got a body that's, that's like Kevin Durant. I'm not saying that his game is like it, but he's tall and gangly. He's got a great shot. Uh, that could end up being a super steal for the Cavs. I, I really have been reading a lot about how this is the draft that killed the big man. You talk about players that we watched during the NCAA tournament that we thought were going to be lottery picks. How about the fact that maybe not lottery picks, but certainly drafted? How about the fact that Adama Sinogo from right. UConn, 
Oscar Tashibwe, player of the year from Kentucky, and Drew Timmy, standout stud in the NCAA two, three years in a row from Gonzaga, all undrafted. Undrafted. Well, I said Sonogo wouldn't go in the first round and maybe not in the second because he's only like six nine yeah. and can't jump. And but, the day the days of that guy being able to play power forward are kind of over, I think, in the NBA. He's a bench player, but I still think he should have been drafted in the in the second. Timmy's got a Timmy's gotta be a surprise, right? I mean, that guy's yeah. got a pretty good offensive game, I feel like. Yeah, I, I don't know. And the guy that from would... Kentucky is smooth. And a really, really good guard in Marcus Carr in Texas. Uh, didn't get drafted, got picked up by the Suns. And I know he's a, basically as small as Spud Webb, but we all fell in love with that kid, Marquise Knoll, and I, from Kansas State. And I surely thought mm-hmm. he was going to get drafted. He did not. He got picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Raptors. I liked in the draft, of course, I love what, what Houston did. What I liked in the draft was really um, – a, a couple of teams. I liked what the Mavs did. Yeah. I, I like, agree. I like that they got rid of Bertans. I like that they brought in a veteran center in Rashawn Holmes and then drafted a real high upside center in Derek Lively. They pair him with Luke. And if Kyrie stays, I think the lap, the Mavs did a lot to stay even at least where they are or better. And then um, they got this guy, Oliver Max pro. Yeah, from Marquette. Excellent so I th- prosper. I thought the Mavs did great. Um, I also agree Come with on. you about the Pelicans. Yes, we're gonna get we're gonna get to we're the Wiz. To the Wizards. Second. We're gonna get to the Wiz, but I also like what the Pacers did. I like uh, Jarris Walker from Houston. I love him at forward, paired with Tyrese Halliburton at guard, bringing in. Uh, 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 let's see how he can do in Tashibwe. I like what the Pacers did there too. But yes, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen outside of the draft, that sh- which were notable, which we can talk about. Because I'm really curious to hear what you think, you guys think about Porzingis to the Celtics, Smart to Memphis, what the Wizards did, CP3 to Golden State. Those are all big, big developments in the NBA. Bison, tell us what, what you think the upside for Kalu. Kalubali is. You mean the um, the Parisian Pippin, as we're calling oh my him? God, Parisian <laughs> Pippin, the Parisian Pippin. Um, That's funny. I mean, look, I think the kid is. Uh, he apparently had this massive growth spurt uh, in the last like two years, so he came up as a guard. And, you know, there's a lot of guys like that's the Greek freak, right? I mean, that's what happened to him. And and so it's interesting. I mean, he's 18 years old. He's apparently incredibly athletic, very smooth, not not a powerful guy, but smooth. Um, He's got the body. He's like right now he's like six, eight or six, nine with a seven, two wingspan. I mean, you know, he's a project, right? I mean, he's going to get bullied. He's going to get pushed around if he plays much at all this season. But you know, the exciting thing about the Wizards, and and that is a sentence that already uh, hasn't been said much in the last, in my lifetime. I mean, really, there was a there was a period in time where Gilbert Arenas was draining threes to win games at the buzzer, like, like five out of 10 nights he hit, you know, he went on this tear and it was like the most exciting basketball the Wizards have had in my lifetime. And this is the second most exciting time because they seem to have adults in the room you know, everybody scoffed at the Beal trade, and then they turned that Beal trade around, 
and turned it into Jordan Poole, uh, Tyus Jones, this this kid of uh, Jilal Koulibaly. They got Shamit. Yeah, they got. I mean, they they actually Gallinari. You know, some start some smart stuff now. Yeah, Are they going to yeah. be horrendous next year? Probably. You hope probably. So. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. So, but it is exciting because it is finally seems like there's some hope that they're planning that they're doing something. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the city is actually pretty excited for it. It's like, we have all these teardown teams and they're kind of fun to watch. Actually. You forgot the best thing about the Parisian Pippin, which is his sister. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen his sister. Straight I'm not up sure. Fox. Oh, I'm not sure that I've seen that yet. Okay. Oh boy. Welcome I think, to DC. I, I think the DC stuff, uh, is exciting assuming that Jordan pool is the 2022 Jordan pool and not the 2023 Jordan pool. I think a lot of people are saying, let's just write off 2023 Jordan pool because of what happened with Draymond. And if that's true, the whiz are in really great shape, but if, but he really fell off. And if you get 2022, you're in great shape. If you get 2023. mm. Well, I think what people are saying about him is, you know, he's going to be able to run around and shoot 25 shots a game because there's not much else on that offense. And if nothing else, he's going to be exciting. And maybe he turns himself into a trade asset or they they figure that they've got a long-term uh, player there. So we'll see. We'll I think see. I don't think it's too hard to believe that a young guy who gets cold cocked, sucker yeah. punched by one of the leaders of the team doesn't play well that year. I mean, yeah. you get, he needs to get out of there. He did need to get out of there. So, Rooster, you've kind of been a closet Celtics fan for the last couple of years uh, when the Knicks sucked. So, what's your take? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, now they're better, and so you've shed the Celtics. That's fine. Like, but like our good friend Pope, you had multiple irons in the fire. Uh, you were listen to, listen to the Heat Wizards fan. <laughs> <laughs> what's your take on adding Porzingis and shedding Smart up in Boston? I think it had to be done um, because number one, they don't know if they're going to re-sign Jalen Brown. So uh, Porzingis can step into that position or, or at least small forward position if they need him to and play Rob Williams and Horford up front even. Um, also, Rob Williams is hurt every fifth game, it seems like. And so they need some more help up front. They need some more scoring. Um and I think Marcus Smart, you know, he he played a reckless, abandoned style of basketball. And I think his body is worn out. You know, he, he's throwing his body in front of bigger guys all the time, taking charges, diving for balls. He's a great guy. I mean, the fans are going to miss him. But he's gotten to the point where he doesn't have the lateral movement to stay in front of the fast point guards that are in the NBA right now. So yeah. he can be a defensive liability, which is funny because he used to be the defensive player of the year. So I, I um, want to say something about that smart thing, though, because I don't feel like it's been really covered too much. Um, I think it's a smart move for Memphis. Oh, yeah. To bring in too. a guy like that, because smart will grab John Morant by the throat and slam him into a locker and beat his ass if he doesn't get his shit together. I mean, I, I really think that he's that kind of veteran who, you know, Marcus Smart had to work for everything he got. He was a heart and soul guy. He was a show up and and just play his guts out. 
And Jaws, this guy who's got tons of talent and is on the brink of throwing it all away. And I think that could be, you know, a, a good tough love sort of mentor for him. I mean, we'll see, but but I think it's a possibility at least. You know, to me, the the interesting thing about the NBA for next year is most of the top teams, most of the top 10 teams are seeing a fair amount of turnover. Um, with the exception of the Nuggets, who get their entire starting five back. Um, but you've got the Celtics without Marcus Smart and maybe moving on from Jalen Brown because he wants a Supermax contract. I don't know if they're going to do that. The Bucks could lose Brooks Lopez and Middleton. Um, I love the fact that they added uh, Andre Jackson from UConn. Kid's a winner. He's not going to be a superstar, but he is a winner. Plays hard. Um, you know, don't know if the Sixers are going to retain Harden. They're going to probably lose one or two of the other guys, right? House. I think. I, th- I think they're going to hold Harris. on to Harden. Yeah, they're trying, to, they're they're trying to move Harris, but apparently Nick Nurse likes the way he plays, and they're they're making plans to use him. They're asking a little too much for him. Some of the stuff they were asking for for Tobias Harris is crazy, but. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if ultimately they 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 do move on from Harris, but the, it's good. The, the East is going to be really really interesting with the reshaped. There's a number of teams. Look, the Wiz aren't there yet, but they no. they're not there yet. But but the the Celtics, I think, improved. I think that a lot of people are down on Porzingis, but they don't need him to be the leader of the team or the leading scorer. I, I think he's a more effective score and a more effective defender than Rob Williams. And I don't know. I think the Celtics just got better. Uh, yep. I think the, I think the bucks, like you said, just got better. I'm not sure why people were so down on Porzingis, by the way. I mean, he, you know, he's got health issues. He's always had that, but he was a pretty effective player in a, in a pretty bad offense yep. in Washington. I, agree. I, I wouldn't yep. be surprised that, you know, if they can maybe limit his minutes and keep him healthy, I think he could be a very effective player. So if the Bucks lose Brooks Lopez and Middleton, I, I'm not sure they're a better team than they were last year. That's true. It could be an opening for the Sixers to uh, leapfrog them. The Heat haven't really made any moves except for Jaime. Uh, from uh, what is it? Hakez Jaime Hakez yeah. from UCLA. Yeah. He's yeah. a perfect fit on that team. And will be there for a long, long time, but he's not going to, you know, light the league on fire. And the Knicks have done nothing so far, but they have tons of cap space. So it remains to be seen what they're going to do. You know what I found funny about the Heat is that they basically, we, we talked a lot on the pod how they rode about four undrafted free agents throughout their playoff run. Most teams after the draft was over picked up, you know, two, three undrafted free agents. The Heat... The Heat picked up eight. <laughs> the Heat picked up eight undrafted free agents. They clearly have an idea of where they can mine for hidden talent. Pretty, pretty that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, they have a, they got it picked up a real good three point shooter from Villanova and Caleb Daniel. So I, I, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how they implement the undrafted free agent guys they got. Yep. All right, guys. Anything else on the uh, NBA? No, that's it. All right, let's jump in. I'm going to have to run in about three minutes, but I just want to say this. If you are not watching Major League Baseball right now and not venturing outside of your own team, 
you are missing some amazing, amazing stories right now, uh, including the guy Rooster on your background there. I mean, we are seeing some pretty epic seasons at this point. Um, I don't know. What, Rooster, what do you think? You got to teed up there. Go for it. Well, my thought is this. The, I'm really curious to see how this outstanding pitching, I mean, some the hitting, we've been talking about the hitting, I mean, six home runs in the last game by LSU, but throughout the college. Wait, are we talking, we're talking, we're, we're talking about major league baseball. Oh, before sorry, we get, I'm sorry, looking at your background. Sorry. I was having, we're a, talking about Dale having a brain. Day, all right. Yes. So we, we were going to talk about these young stars, yeah. right? House has like, Luis Areas behind him, and I've got Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. Um, this kid is 21 years old and steps in as the shortstop, incredibly important position uh, on the Reds. And in 69 at bats, he's hitting 333, but he hit for the cycle in like his 15th game. And um, he's the youngest person to do that in 21 years. He, and he did it against the Braves. It's not like he did it against the A's or something like that. He did it against the Braves. He's a guy. I'm, I'm out of here. You guys have fun, but the wooden o, o, bat o, for you. Otani, Otani, Otani. We're Just coming back to him. that. We're co- we'll come back to Otani. Sorry. We'll I got to run guys. You guys have right. fun. Safe flight. I'll catch Safe you. Flight. Right. Thanks. Talk Thanks, to you boys. soon, man. So anyway, house, uh, he, we talked about him being a five tool player. I think it's Joey Votto, but I'm not sure. Who said this? I think Joey Votto s- said that he is the next Mickey Mantle. That Ellie De-, where, De La Cruz. Yeah, I don't know whether he said it was Mantle or DiMaggio. He made the comparison. The five to tool guy. Hits, l- l- hits with power, hits for average, fast as hell. And he's a big dude. He's 6'5, 200 pounds. Rooster, he ran during that cycle against the Astros. He ran from home base when he hit the ball to third base in 10.83 seconds. It's like humanly impossible. Right. And I don't know if you saw that incredible play also in the series against the Astros where just there was a deep ground ball to first and he sprinted and he dove head first to first and and beat the play. I mean, 99, well, 99.9% of MLB players get thrown out. The guy beat out a routine ground ball to first on a head first slide. Yeah. I, I've never seen speed like this. And they, I saw a stat that said he had, uh, in his first 15 games, he had 40 total bases and seven steals. That's never been done. And there are two players of the age of 21 who have ever hit for the cycle and had a steal in the same game. One is Mike Trout and the other is Ellie De La Cruz. So it is really fun. I mean, I I don't watch as much baseball as Bison, but when I turn on baseball, knowing like how you and I grew up with the big red machine, everything, seeing those Cincinnati stands empty and like a barren stadium is kind of depressing. The stadium is rocking. It's full. They've got a young, talented team. And yep. it, it, it's it's really fun to see what's happening in and Cincinnati. Seventy-eight games into the season, they're in first place. It's awesome. National League Central. The other thing I like about De La Cruz is he seems like a really solid kid. Um, he speaks about being humbled. 
by the fact that the great Eric Davis gave him permission to wear number 44. Is that awesome? Davis's number. You know, I mean, it just seems like a really good kid who respects the history of the game. I'm really rooting for him, but it's as Bison said, it's a tough debate about who's best right now of all three of these young players. But listen to these stats on Areas, okay? So the major league record for five hit games, there are four players in major league history who had four five hit games in a season. Their names, you might have heard of them before, are Ty Cobb, Stan Musial, Tony Gwynn, and Ichiru, Ichiro Suzuki. Those four are tied. Areas has three five-hit games in the month of June. <laughs> and 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 Areas, uh, I was reminded, reading up some of the stuff on Areas, I remember being really excited uh, many years ago. Uh, it was like in the 90s when Tony Gwynn was on a run and people were saying, well, could he finally be somebody that flirts with 400 again? Through 67 games, we were getting excited at Gwynn batting 386. Today, Areas through 67 games, he's at 400. Now he's at 401. Oh, really? Uh, he is at 401, and we're at June whatever. And here's – listen to this. He has seen 1,099 pitches this season, and he has swung and missed – at a total of 28. <laughs> I mean, the guy just hits the ball, period. I hate to even he, ask this question as a lifelong Yankees fan, but has the team gotten better once Derek Jeter got out of the way? Oh, boy. I mean, that's that's another big, big deal, is that Jeter is addition by subtraction. The Marlins have gotten so much better since they left, and it's it's, I mean, Areas was a big addition, but they, they've got a lot, a lot of young talent on the team. Let's hope this time they don't trade it all away like they normally do. Um, th- right now, they they are definitely very much in the mix for making the playoffs. I mean, they would be in it right now. Yep. Uh, the Phillies could get hot. Obviously, the Padres, I guess, could get hot. Um, we'll see what ends up happening in the Central, but... If the Marlins keep it going, and by the way, this is with Alcantara pitching, I think with an ERA over five. The ra- their reigning Cy Young pitcher hasn't even come into form yet. If he catches fire, look out. Like who would have put them ahead of the Phillies and the Mets at this time of year? Nobody. Beginning of season, nobody. So I guess the question we we were kicking around was, let me just set this up. You're, uh, Arias is 26 years old. De La Cruz is only 21 years old. And then the third guy in the equation, Shohei, Showtime Otani, is 28 years old. If you're starting a team right now, or if you're the GM of your team right now, the Phillies, the Yankees, whoever you like, which one do you want right now? There's no question in my mind I want Shohei. Yeah, I agree. Because you're getting two players for the price of one. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, I understand that Babe Ruth is, of course, a legend and everything. This guy is outperforming Babe Ruth, period. Yeah. He he's he's not only in the American League, he's not only third in hits, first in home runs, first in RBIs, third in run scores. He's top 10 in ERA, 3.14. He's third in the American League in strikeouts pitched and 15th in the AL in wins. You get two players. For his career, his wins against replacement is 30. 
Which which really makes you think just how bad the Angels yeah. would be yeah. without him. His when he's pitching, when he loses because he gets no support. There, I've seen games where it comes down to his last at bat for the Angels to win a game that he pitched very well in, and they just haven't given him any run support. It's it's no wonder he's kicking around the idea of moving on to the other team. He's been an MVP, a two time All Star. Rookie of the Year, Silver Slugger Award winner, and is 34 and 17 in his career pitching. Um, he has 21 no major league games where he's pitched. In 21 games, he's had 10 plus strikeouts, and in 14 major league games, he's had two home runs in the same game. I mean, some of the stats are just they're mind blowing stats with him. And you know, he like I said, he he leads as of June 18th last week. He he led the majors in home runs, RBI, total bases, extra base hits, and slugging percentage. I the big question is, who does he play for after this year? I mean, is are the Yankees going to pay him three hundred million dollars? Uh, are you know a year, which has been rumored? Uh, are are the Braves going to do it? Are the Dodgers going to do it? I just it, apparently it's not worth it for the Angels to pay him that much money. Maybe they put people in the seats, but they're not putting trophies in the cabinet. I'll tell you, man. If the if the Angels said to Brian Cashman, "Look, we'll we'll send you Otani, or or and and you know you we want this this and this plus we want one human sacrifice," I'd give him Josh <laughs> Donaldson and say, "Do whatever you want. We'll take him." <laughs> It might have to be well, a better as a sacrifice. Free, as a free agent, I'd pay him the three hundred million. He's worth it. This is why I love. This is why I love things like you know Premier League and other soccer, where you actually you have a true free agent market where players are bought from other teams. Yes, it requires your team to have the money to do it, but the Angels, if they could sell Otani could invest in a lot into their future and there are a few teams that can afford them but the angels run a real risk of losing them all together just on a free agent contract and getting nothing for it but it's you know the angels have otani they have mike trout who was recognized as the best player in baseball for many years and that guy um their third baseman that they got from the nats rendon rendon and they've done nothing yeah I mean, I don't understand the the Angels' inability to win games. Yeah, with their with their lineup. Well, just as exciting as the major leagues, you were started to talk about the the junior leagues in in college baseball. This has been fun to watch. Yep, it has. It has. You you saw the last game. I didn't see much of it. Tell us about it. Well, six home runs in one game. It it was a total. It, it, you know, the the weird thing is we started watching the early innings and LSU uh, jumped out to a lead, but they went through two or three consecutive innings where they left a bunch of guys on base. It's like bases loaded one inning, two guys on base, two guys on base. And Bison sent a, a text that said, I'm telling you, this is going to come back to haunt them. They're leaving way too many guys on base. And the next inning, uh, I think Florida tied and then the following inning they hit a grand slam and then it was, you know, Katie bar the door. But uh, 
everything comes down to, you know, game three is tonight. By the time most people listen to this tomorrow, it will have been decided. And the question will have been looking back on this pod, were they able to figure out a way to get Paul Skeens, the guy who will be either number one or two, the best pitcher to come out of college baseball since Strasburg, will, will they be able to get a few innings out of Skeens tonight? I think they have to. And I think at the college level, three days rest is probably enough. It's, uh, you know, people were kind of lamenting about the College World Series basically being an SEC championship. And sometimes we see that in, in football too. But this has been really, really fun to watch. You know, game one was one in the 11th inning on a late inning home run and game two, although it was a slug fest, it was tense in the beginning before, you know, it just opened up and come into a, a rubber match game. It, it's, it's pretty exciting. And right now when there's nothing else really to watch, I, I, I'd be interested to see what the ratings are because they have some superstar players on, on these teams. Really fun. Yep. But I, it does seem like the, the starting pitchers are relying on one or two pitches at this yeah. level. You know, they're That's not, true. they're not like major leaguers who have four pitches, you know, or, or so, and, and two out pitches. I mean, I, I saw a couple of at bats where there were like six fastballs thrown in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's true. So to me, it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these guys like Skeens transitions at the next level, because was it two years ago that we thought these two kids from uh, Vanderbilt would just walk, oh, yeah. waltz right into the to Major League Baseball and be immediate successes, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kumar Rocker never made a team, and I haven't heard anything from Leiter, have you? No, I think he's stuck in the minors. It, it, it's true. These guys have got to learn an off-speed pitch. You know, they've they've got to learn, you know, a sinker, a curveball, change up something to mix it up because it's true. I mean – Skeens can't throw a hundred mile per hour fastball every single pitch in the majors. Yeah. I mean, if he does that to 50% of the major league batters are going to hit that out. Plus he'll end up like Strasburg where yeah. you know his arm will just be thrown out. Yep. Yep. Well, tonight should be exciting. I know uh, our man milk will be watching anxiously. Good luck milk. It's, it's what stands between you and, uh, LSU getting two consecutive national championships. If you count the women's final and then the men's college final, it's it's two in a row for uh, for LSU. That got to put the, a stop to that. That with the inevitable collapse of the Rays, it's going to be a rough baseball season <laughs> for Milk. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> All right, House, you got a punchable face. Come on, man. All right, Rooster, I'm going to ask you to put on your sports hat and your lawyer hat. And I'm going to read you a tweet if you have not heard about this story yet. The following tweet was written by a guy named Shams Charania, and he wrote the following. Scoot Henderson 
is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's NBA draft. Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Brandon Miller. Team has final meetings today to settle on decision. That was the tweet at about 12.28 p.m. on the day of the draft, which got millions and millions of views. The problem? Shams Terrania also works as a consultant for FanDuel. Mm-mm. And the odds within 20 minutes moved to minus 380, meaning you had to bet 380 to win 100. A ton of people, I mean, whatever, that's a totally separate issue if you're degenerate enough that you're betting what player is going to be selecting the draft. But a lot of people put money to say, oh, based on this tweet from Shams, I'm going to take an easy buck and I'm going to bet that Scoot goes number two to Charlotte. And of course he didn't. They took Brandon Miller instead. And there's a lot of articles being written now from the Washington Post to the Wall Street Journal as to whether or not this is actionable. You know, the the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was, you know, the law has to catch up with modern times. And we passed the Securities and Exchange Act, I think, in 1933 or 1934 in this country for that very kind of behavior when it comes to securities, insider trading, trying to manipulate the market. There's no difference from those behaviors that the Security and Exchange Commission tries to monitor today and what this agent for, or what this guy from FanDuel tried to do. Yeah, you know, there's we may not have a law in place right now that covers it, but we need to because that's bullshit. And it's it's a fraud on the on the betting public. I think with legalized gambling almost in every state now, including on sports betting, you know, when we were young, it was you could go to Vegas and that was it. And then the big question was, is there any way that Atlantic City can catch up with Vegas and get sports gambling? Well, now it's everywhere. Sports gambling is everywhere. It's in the palm of your hand. And the lines have blurred so much between who's a consultant and who's in the industry and who's with teams and people reporting on injuries that, like you said, it it's going to – there's going to get to a point where there's a lot, a lot of money that's being changed hands and has to be regulated. So, you know, my, my, my punch is to, my punch is to shams. My punch is to FanDuel to say you, when people, when you know that someone is on your payroll as a consultant, you got to say, dude, you, you, you can report on things after they happen or you can, but you can't give what is might be interpreted reasonably interpreted as a tip, and uh, I I just I thought it was very uncool, and it I I made the argument to one of my kids to Zeke you know that that it, it was tantamount to insider trading, and for that uh, a punch the aptly named Shams gets a punch. yes exactly and, you know in our business we say bad cases make bad case law. Congratulations, FanDuel. You're, you maybe single-handedly brought down the wrath of Congress on your industry with that stupid move. Dumb. That's my punch. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about a lasso. Do you have one? I don't have one. You have one, though, I think. I have a good lasso. Um, 
barbecue sauce. It's a revisit of one that we talked about in the past, um, but um, it's Pac-Man Jones again. When he was at when he's in college at West Virginia, he was known to be like the Marcus Smart of college football. He just, you know, forced his teammates to play their asses off in practice during the games. He was relentless, and one of the guys that he took under his wings was a very talented wide receiver from Louisiana who um, needed a little kick in the ass to, to get himself going. And Pac-Man gave him that kick in the ass. And that guy turned out to be Chris Henry, the star wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, who died tragically um, when he was only 26 years old and left behind um, young children. Well, Pac-Man Jones is now 39 years old and has taken in all of Chris Henry's kids. He and his wife are raising these kids. And the update is that the two of the boys from Chris Henry and his wife uh, are, are projected to be future stars, particularly Chris Henry Jr., who as a sophomore is a 6'6", 190-pound speed-burning wide receiver who's also an A student in high school. And his high school coach says that this kid will be a, a top 10 NFL draft pick someday. And Pac-Man get, lines up against him every day and they practice routes. So he's going up against a, you know, pretty much Hall of Fame caliber cornerback every day at age 15. And um, Pac-Man and the coach and the and Coach Rodriguez from West Virginia days say this kid is the real deal and is better than his dad. His other son um, is being compared to um, the the guy on the on the Pelicans, Brandon. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. He's a yeah. basketball. Uh-huh. He's a basketball yeah. player and is apparently really good. And then their sister is looking at scholarships to Ohio State uh, for basketball. The, the the football player Chris Henry Jr. At, as a sophomore already has offers from among other big time programs Georgia, Ohio State, and USC. So, you know, just keep your eyes open and ears open for Chris Henry Jr. He's going to be a star someday. And just a little postscript. You know, everybody who thinks of Pac-Man Jones judges him, I think, and assumes he was just a bad dude. Uh, turns out he was bipolar, and he oh. was diagnosed in 2015 and kept it hidden until he retired. So he's gotten himself some some help, and it's just turned out to be, a, you know, a superstar of a human being taking care of his dead friend's children. So that's a really good cheers ending. To, cheers to Pac-Man Jones. And that's his a good wife, lasso. And his wife. It's a good one. It's a good yeah. one. All right, let's well, do some buzzer beaters. I I have a quick buzzer beater that in today's news, there there was a juxtaposition of money being invested into sports, and again we have can we can we just do regular, you know, wealthy individual money going to a sport, or do we have to go to you know 
country funded sports like the Saudi Public Investment Fund. And today there's news of an F1 and Alpine racing, uh, the darlings of kind of uh, Netflix and the story. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Rob McElhenney and, and Ryan Reynolds. The, the ones that decided for kind of fun to invest in that and then did this kind of Cinderella story. Well, now they're turning their money and they're investing into Alpine F1 racing team. Uh, Alpine is uh, of the 10 constructors of the 10 teams in the F1. They're kind of mired in the middle. Um, they were fourth last year. They're fifth this year. And it'll be kind of fun to see if uh, if they can do the same turnaround job with Alpine that they did with Wrexham. And it'll be, it just, it'll just be a, a good story to watch the same time after watching the kind of money that could be infused into golf, the ATP, the professional tennis tour is now apparently in talks with the Saudi PIF, the Saudi public investment fund, the same fund that infused all this money into the, the quote unquote merger of the PGA and live to talk about basically taking over ATP uh, and tennis. And I, again, you know, I, I just, for, wasn't there for, also some talk about Saudi money buying a stake in all the Washington professional teams? That's the, that's the Qatari. Oh, Qatari. The, Sorry. The, similar, similar investment fund, the state run investment fund are now putting a 5% interest in most of the, the Washington teams. And I just, I think, I think the motivation behind this is, is pretty clear. Uh, the sports washing that we've been talking about on this pod, given all the human rights violations. And it's just, it's just a shame to see. It's a shame to see what's happening in sports. I wouldn't complain about it if it weren't for the sports washing, you know, but it's, it's, we're, we're really trying to sweep something under the rug. So right. what we predicted, we've been predicting this for over a year and, you know, they get coming. Their, they've gotten their nose under the tent and it's not ending. It's coming. Yep. Well, I have a couple, uh, one real quick, uh, buzzer beaters. Just just a shout out to Deion Sanders, who had blood clot surgery on both legs and feet. Uh, wishing him well. Hope, hope you have the best re- recovery possible. And then I wanted to um, congratulate Freddie Freeman. Um, oh, yeah. For, for becoming only the 98th player in Major League Baseball history to reach both 2,000 hits and 300 home runs, um, which he did in a game uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, He's only 33 years old. He's having an MVP season. Uh, He's batting 317. He's got 14 homers and 48 runs batted in. Um, His career doesn't seem to be slowing down right now. And, uh, you know, who knows how how long he's going to last. But... That's a big feat. Uh, it's a big accomplishment. Uh, there are only three other active players with 2,000 hits, 300 homers. Do you have any idea who they are? Oh, I'd like to say, does Trout have 2,000 hits? He's not Is, a member of that club. He's not a member of that club. Uh, wow. Who? Because this, it surprised me about well, Freeman. I'll give you one hit, one hint. Think longevity. 
think longevity. Um, somebody who's been playing a really long time. Give me a team. Give me a team. The Tigers. And the oh, Miggy. Yeah, Miggy. Get Miggy with it. All right. Yep. Miggy Cabrera. That's an, that should have been an easy one. Uh, and then the other guy has been on every team, in, including the Rangers, the Mariners. Um, I should know this. Uh, Cruz? Yep. No. Nelson Cruz. It, it is Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Okay. And then the third guy just came back from a, a long injury. Third guy came back from a long injury. Um, has been mentioned on this very episode. Well, there's no way. Is he? Is he play for the Yankees? Nope. No. Mentioned on this very episode. What team is he on? The Reds. Oh, Votto has that. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed wow. that either. I would not have guessed wow. that. Yeah, yep. these masters, you don't really appreciate that they have. So I wonder how many hits Trout has. I have to think that he's nearing it. But yeah, good for Freddie Freeman. He's uh, He was a hated guy on the Phillies because he killed us when he was on the Braves. Uh, but he's he's a good player. Yep. He's a really good player. That, that was a good accomplishment. Good, good defensive first baseman, too. All right. You got anything else? That's it. We miss Milk and we miss Pope. And... Uh, Enjoy your travels, your summer fun, guys, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, check us out on uh, YouTube and listen to us on uh, Spotify and Apple Pod. We'll be back next Monday with episode 122. Let's not forget it. We didn't totally destroy you guys that were missing. We could have, but we, we spared you. We'll see ya. <laughs> SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, D.
District of Champions. Thanks for listening.